the Xness, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing Rebel by Beverly Jenkins. But before we get into the book, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media. You can find us at the PHX Nest Pod on Instagram and PHX Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at the Phoenix Nest Pod at gmail.com. The links to our social media can be found in the description along with a link to our Goodreads and a link to our favorite independent bookstore. All right. Hi, Kat. It's, Hi. It's been a month. How do you feel? Still tired. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. It's all the same. The days are... Stuff. I don't know. The days are blending together. I don't know what day it is half the time. I always think the following day is Friday and it's not, so that's disappointing. The text that I sent you, it's Friday. Finally, for real this time. Yeah, it's, it doesn't feel like it ever when it is. It's not Friday today, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. Um, but throughout the week, I wake up thinking that it is Friday. So. And, and it's not. Um, it's never Friday. We had a month of relaxing, at least trying to. I don't know how well that went. I mean, I honestly can say it didn't feel too different than juggling regular responsibilities with the podcast, no. honestly. Just kind of a day. Um, so we are back after a month hiatus. We have a lot planned. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to start off, first off, it's February, and uh, it's Black History Month. And I don't want to say that we're reading these books solely because it's Black History Month. I want to say we're reading these because we wanted to highlight a couple authors for the month. We do read black authors and black characters outside of Black History Month, so we want to preface quite it often. quite often, yeah. yeah. We we try really hard to be as diverse as we possibly can. Um, we tend to schedule our books ahead ahead of time. I mean, we just scheduled the next five months Yeah, at a Cheesecake Factory. It was phenomenal. <laughs> Some good shit. I just want cheesecake now. It was so good. It was so good. We spent a lot of money, but it was delicious. Um, so... The other thing we want to mention, too, is the next couple authors um, for February, actually, are both going to be at the Tucson Festival of Books. We're doing it virtual this year. Uh, so we're going to have Beverly Jenkins, Alicia Rye, Rebecca Weatherspoon, and Julia Quinn, which is pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we will not be discussing Bridgerton on this podcast because it's overplayed and everyone else has done it. Just going to say That's it. a big deal. Okay, I binge-watched it. My mom has watched the whole thing thrice. Thrice. Yeah. Wow. She um, really likes it. I watched it once, all on Christmas Day. I started it, and then I looked up when it was done, and it was dark outside. So, whoops. Mm-hmm. That's a thing I did. So, anyways, uh, do we want to get into Rebel? Do we want to have you read the synopsis first, Cap? Always. Always. Go for <laughs> it. This is a short one, which is interesting, because this is, like... Kind of a beefy feeling book, but here we go. Valinda Lacey's mission in the steamy heart of New Orleans is to help the newly emancipated survive and flourish, but soon she discovers that here freedom can also mean danger. When thugs destroy the school she has set up and then target it, target her, Valinda runs for her life and strain to the arms of Captain Drake Levesque. As an architect from an old New Orleans family, Drake has a deeply personal interest in rebuilding the city. Raised by strong women, he recognizes Valinda's determination, and he can't stop admiring or wanting her. But when Valinda's father demands she returns home to marry a man she doesn't love, her daring rebellion draws Drake into an irresistible intrigue. How did you feel about this one? 
I like this a lot. And it's interesting because a lot of the talking points in the blurb on the back, um, like about him being an architect and like him saving her and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. are kind of like minor points compared to the bulk of the book. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm okay with that. No, like I'm totally fine with it. Like even the part that talks about her father coming to like demand that she come home with him and stuff. Didn't happen till the end. It wasn't until the end and it was like like an interesting interaction and we'll get to it. We'll, yeah, we'll but, get to that. But it's interesting because it was quick. Yeah. And it was decisive. Whereas like it in other books we've read, even historicals that we've read, it's a very long drawn out process of fighting with your parents all the time. And that wasn't what this was. So, going into this, we know that we're not big fans of historical romance. For, for different reasons. Some of it is the inaccuracy, because some people just don't do research, and that can be really frustrating. Yeah. Um, but some of it is also, it's always a retelling of the same exact thing. I think for me, I'm realizing that I don't like Regency-era historical romances. Okay. I love a gilded romance, like a gilded age. Mm-hmm. I loved this one. Mm-hmm. I love um, anything Victorian. Regency, I don't want to deal with it. Is it because it's a lot of the same, like, the the man is a brutish beast? Yeah. And my job is to change him and save him and that kind that's, of thing? That's part of it. That's part of it. It's a lot of the flowery language. I think I'm finding that I do really enjoy my historical romances to be set in the U.S. because I know where shit's at. Okay. Like, this is set in New Orleans. I know we where know that where is. New Orleans is. And if we say it wrong and you're from there, we're sorry. But I don't say Nolens because I'm not from there. <laughs> I lived in the Florida panhandle, and even there I said New Orleans. That's just it's how you say New Orleans. Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. That's weird. See, it's like, I don't know. That's weird. Um, so it's fine. Y'all know what we're talking about. So it's That's just where they're from. Yeah. Um, so I felt it was very atmospheric, and I felt like I was there most of the time, which was great. Um, I had a lot of fun with this one. I had a lot more fun than I thought I was going to have. And I want to preface this by saying, I'm really sorry for having not read any Beverly Jenkins prior to this, because now I feel like I want to read her entire backlist. But, like, why haven't we read Beverly Jenkins? Because we're Bev, shitty. we're sorry. Miss Bev, we are so sorry, because we're <laughs> shitty people. That's why. <laughs> we just, I think we were just caught up in a lot of new releases. And this is a new release, to be fair. Fairly new, because it came um, out in 2019. But it's not one that's had a lot of popularity so far. Not that I've seen. Because I haven't seen it mentioned on any book list, which is really frustrating because it's such a well-written book. Well, it would have been a book list two years ago because this was 2019 that this was released. Yeah, but we were podcasting. Well, we were podcasting. You know what I mean? Like, like, I feel like this somehow was skipped for some reason. We were reading shitty Regencies. That's why. Because some of those were, like, important. Ugh, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it was just overshadowed by different series as well, though. Because that was also, wasn't that when Midnight Sun was announced? And I think so. So maybe it just got lost, which sucks, but it's so good. Um, I highly suggest, before we even get into this, that if you have not read this book or any of uh, Beverly Jenkins' works, go do it immediately. I know she does some contemporary. And I want to say also, if Netflix and Shondaland can do Bridgerton, do this book. 
This was great because it's all about the, like, beginnings of New Orleans, too. It's not yeah. the Mardi Gras. It's not the the big celebrations and stuff. It's about, this is like, a, how it's becoming this New is Orleans. A, yeah, this is immediately after the Civil War. It's phenomenal. It was yeah. so good. I and, have, like, fascinating. Yeah, I brought out my tabs. I haven't tabbed a book in a really long time. <laughs> like, I, oh, no. I, busted so the, I busted the tabs out. Because I had to. The blue ones are foreshadowing because there was foreshadowing. The green ones are all the history. And she said her sources. I want to say that too at the back of the book. She has a list of where she got a lot of her information um, for all of this. Yeah. And that's an amazing thing because it's something that contemporary authors do more often Mm -hmm. um, than writers from like even the 90s or the early 2000s. And it's, they're super into accuracy. I mean, Alicia Rye does it, and we've commended her for that a bunch. Yeah. Um, but then when we read some, like, older older ones, are like, we don't know what's happening. <laughs> like, we don't know the time. Is that real? Did that really happen? So, let's talk about the historical accuracy. Yeah. Um, like I said, I tabbed all of the historical accurate parts as green because I wanted to go back and look them up. Because the U.S. education system is lacking, yeah. And you hear about the Civil War, you know, it was the North versus the South, the Union versus the Confederate, blah, 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 and slavery, all of that. We know that. This is what happens after that. There were so many parts where I went, that can't be fake. That has to be real. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about the streetcars. There was only certain streetcars that the blacks could ride on. They had a black star on them. And even then, the whites would overfill them. Because they could do whatever they wanted. Because they could do whatever they wanted. There was a man by the name of William Nichols who started... Which she explains in the back. She does does explain it. I didn't get a chance to read that because I finished this late Yeah, that she explains, like, his whole protest and how the court threw it out and was like, no, you shouldn't have been thrown off of that bus or whatever. And then he sues the... It's a streetcar company. So great. It was so great. It's a good mix of, or it's a good example, I should say, of how to weave historical accuracy through your story. Yeah. Because there's no doubt in my mind that people similar to the people we read existed. Yeah. Like, sometimes we read stuff and we're like, that's not a real person you can tell. But this is definitely, like, these people very easily could have existed. And she didn't cite that. Um, that they're, like, based off of real, real people, real life, like, biographies or anything. Um, but they did, she did a really good job. I... It was fascinating. And she noted, she noted a lot, too, the reasons why there is so much distance and so many problems with what was going on in New Orleans. And a lot of it has to do with the downfall of the plantation, which is something yeah. you don't learn Unless you take a college African-American lit course. So, as a shitty white person who had a (laughs) shitty U.S. education, um, I was unaware at the end of the Civil War when slavery ended, I was unaware of a lot of what was going on in regards to the white plantation owners essentially forcing some of their former, I should say, slaves um, into signing a contract that would essentially put them in a different form of slavery. Well, yeah, and that so that goes through a lot of the problems that are within this book because the problem with people who cannot read or write is that they don't know what they're signing, and that was how a lot of people were being forced back into slavery, and then you have the introduction of, like, Jim Crow laws and yeah. all of that, and it, it kind of, in a weird way, blends together and shows why people who are educated and people who are white in this premise 
are able to take over an entire group, an entire subgroup, right? Yeah. And so that's part of the problem. And then there's all these distinctions between the Creoles and the wealthy, and a lot of it is religious, and it's showing you that religious and political peoples just weren't standing up for what they should have been at the time. Yeah, and so that that kind of brings us into the racial injustices that we were seeing. Um, There are a couple instances. So um, one of the plantation owners kills a black man in front of his family, in front mm-hmm. of his wife and child. Um, and shoots him. Shoots him just because he wouldn't sign the paperwork. He yeah. refused to sign. Because um, he questioned it. Because they were never going to be able to leave the plantation. You work six days a week, you can't leave. Yeah. And that's not fair. They're free now. They're allowed to go live their lives. Right. And so he's shot and... Um, fed to the gators. Fed to the gators. Because they didn't even want to give his family his body. And uh, Drake goes out with a group of men to kind of confront them. And because the shooting happened in a front of other black people, and there wasn't a white witness outside of this plantation owner that was going to speak, his death is just going to go. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, there are a couple instances where, well, that was a black person who witnessed that crime, so it won't stand. Which is true. A lot of people of color were widely discredited because they couldn't read and write throughout history. So, you know, yeah. the 1800s and into the 1900s. And so anytime women or people of color would take the stand, it would either be presented as like they don't know what they're talking about or people wouldn't even hear them. They would, yeah, they didn't care. Um, there's an instance at the very beginning where um, Val is... She goes back to the barn that her schoolhouse is in and finds that looters have basically come through and just destroyed it. It's disgusting inside. Um, She can't teach there anymore. Her books go missing. Her books are actually on fire under a tree. Yeah, her primers. Her primers. She goes to put the the flame out and um, is attacked. Right. There is... Soldiers, they're in Union Blue, and you would you would assume that they're soldiers. You can't guarantee that they are, but you would assume they are. So she's attacked, and she knows that if they catch her and take her down, she's never going to see any justice for what was done to her. Right. And so um, she manages to get away, and she runs, and that's when she meets Drake and his sister-in-law. Yes. Um, and throughout the book, the one guy follows her, which is so creepy. It's so creepy. And it's creepy for multiple reasons. Not just because he's, like, obsessive, but because he's already been dealt with. Like, there were three guys. One was white and two were black. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them got beat up in some form. Oh, because Drake didn't scared. give a shit. It was great. And, like, he just kept popping up when she would be, like, trying to get other places and, like, get in her face and, like... Oh god, he was just gross. He gets he gets his uh his shit rocked at the end though. Yeah. She does. hits him with a, a shovel and it's amazing. Yeah. So good. Um so I enjoyed the historical accuracy. I think that's part of why I liked this one so much more than other historicals. Okay. Because I I'm a history nerd. I love history. And right. I love learning things that I didn't know about. And I can tell you, I felt like shit at the end of this when I realized I didn't know half of what happened after the Civil War. Yeah. Because, like I said, I'm shitty. I'm white. I well, just know I don't white think end. that's really the issue. I think the issue is that it's kind of glossed over a lot in 
public education and even yeah. private education. Because if you wanted to learn specifics, like I said, you'd have to take that specific course and not everyone gets to do that. And so when you get to read like slave diaries mm-hmm. of, from people who did know how to read and write, it's, it's weird to I, think that all of this is going on. And our biggest problem is, are we going to, to fight another war right now? Yeah. And everyone's displaced and poor and, you know, fighting for their lives and fighting supremacy. And that's really hard. I do want to say that I did tab all of the things that I want to go back and look up. Yeah. And I will be doing so. Good. Because there was a lot of it that I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. What? I didn't know about any of that. I have to look that up. Yeah. And this was when, this was before the two parties flipped, political parties flipped. So it was really weird. To be reading this, complaining about the Democrats, the Democrats, the Republicans, and I was like, and how they were bad Republicans and stuff. I was like, wait, what? They're and, like, but they're oh. And then I went, oh, this is right before the, this was before the party split, and I realize now this is right before they flipped and and yeah. their views changed. Um, it's it's very confusing when that happens, but it is again historically accurate. Yeah, yeah. So let's have a chat about. I'm gonna hide the list from you. I'm yeah. Because I'm not even looking at the list. I'm trying to think. Mm-hmm. I was. I literally saw <laughs> the word swamp. Full of it. I saw the word swamp. Let's talk about when Val and Drake meet, and how she's having a hard time with the school system because her now she has nowhere to teach. Right. And she goes back to where she's staying, and the nice white lady that lives there has died. Right. And the other lady is a piece of shit. I don't like her. Well, they're sisters. They're sisters. Georgie and is the mean one. Madeline. Yeah. Georgie and Maddie. And Maddie's just like this old lady who knows how to cook because she had cooked before she was um, married to a plantation owner. And uh, Georgie has like a stick up her butt. And doesn't want a colored woman living in their house. Even though she's going to be paying them, if she can get her money from the Bureau. Yeah. So, they... What's happened is that they've offered... When I say they, the the government, Mm -hmm. which is very, very fractured and broken right now... Yes. um, ...has offered stipends to people who would go and work in the South as teachers, because suddenly they have all these freed people. And part of helping in their own way is to educate them. And so they're like, we need to go establish schools. And a lot of them are through different religious places. Like she goes through the convent a lot of the time, but then a lot of that ends up not working because of the pressure of people who donate to religious institutions. But that's what she's doing there. She's, she's trying to find a place for a school and teach both adults and children how to read and write like basics so that they can like, get jobs and live better lives in the long run. And do more for their themselves in the future. Yeah. So she ends up getting kicked out. Um, Drake tells her if he ever, she ever has a problem to go to him, go to this hotel, this address that she, he's got. Um, she gets kicked out and she goes to the, the hotel. The yes. hotel is run by Drake's brother. Yes. And... Before she gets there, she runs into a fortune teller. Yeah, and the fortune teller is just this old lady sitting under a streetlight. Just a random streetlight. Yeah. And all Val wants is a a 
she just wants directions. Am I going in the right way? Where is this at? Right. And the lady grabs her hand and reads her palm and is basically like, you're going to lose a love, reject a love, and accept a love. And then as she's like, what? And the lady goes, just love him. And she's, she's like, like, what? Okay. <laughs> Great. Which I think is probably how a lot of people feel if someone who claims to be psychic tells them something, they're like, okay. Yeah, a lot of times I'm going, huh? That sounds nice. Because it, it is weird. It can be. It can be. Especially, it can definitely be weird. Like, especially when you're just trying to find a fucking hotel so you can go to sleep. Yeah. So anyway, Val gets there. They're having a giant party. And the Levesques are having a giant party, I should say. Everyone's together. And um, Drake's mom invites Val to come stay at her house until she can get on her feet. So she goes to stay over there. And Drake is kind of like, that is the prettiest woman I have ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it all starts with, you know, Drake saving her. Um but she realizes afterwards, you know, she's got to go to the convent to see if she can find a new new school. And they tell her no. They're not going to do that because wasn't the Creoles that were mad? The wealthy Creoles. The, the wealthy Creoles were upset that they were going to have to sit with former slaves. Yeah, they're like, we don't do that. we Because they want this class division where they still get to hold on to their class. Yeah. Which is... Ridiculous. And it's like the Levesques are rich and they're doing fine. They're like, yeah, teach them. That's fine. I'm not. But they're raised differently. I'm not shitty. It's because they're pirates. Because they're raised by Juliana. And I have different blood. Yeah. I loved Juliana. I just want to say I love the Levesque family so much. All of them were so solid. They were so great. And I they're loved- so sweet. And then we didn't even mention, but um, Drake's sister in law, Sable, was one of the people who was there saving. Saving Val, and she's just like she's a former slave. Mm-hmm. She doesn't give a shit. She, she picked takes up care a rifle. Orphans. She can shoot. She married Raymond, right? Because we call Ray- Raymond because we're we're boring Americans. <laughs> Raymond. <laughs> yeah, we don't say that. <laughs> we don't because we're boring we don't, Americans. And we're from Arizona. Um, but yeah, she's like a whole other story that is fascinating because she's been through a lot and she's accomplished a lot. And she's someone who becomes Val's friend. And Val doesn't have friends, really. No. She has Cole. And Cole has Lenny. That's a whole different problem. But But not really a problem. It's great. But But that takes us into their marriage of convenience. Because when Drake meets Val, Val says she's intended for another. And no, Val tells his mother that. Oh, that's, yeah. Val tells his mother. And they're like, sorry, God break this to you, Drake. She's she's got someone, and he's like, well, if she didn't, I would court her. And they openly talk about how they have like mistresses and stuff, but how it's like a transaction. It's it's business. Yeah, I can pay for your your clothing, and we can enjoy each other's company. And honestly, it's just dating. That's all it is. It just sounds like they're dating, but with with no intention to marry. And which, they get sex. Yeah, which is like I guess Tinder. It is basically Tinder. But in, the 1800s. Civil War era <laughs> tender. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. But, um, we don't meet Val's intended until much later because he's in Paris and he's going through his own stuff. And she kind of explains to Drake, like, yeah, I have a fiance, but it's, it's someone that I've known my whole life and we've been friends mm-hmm. our whole lives. And he's like, well, do you, do you love him? Like, is this a marriage because you love him? And she's like, 
why would I marry someone just because I love them? And it's like, because no one in my family does that. They get married. They have arranged marriages in her family. Her father arranges who they're going to marry. Um, he's already married off her sister. Caroline, yeah. Caroline, Caroline, yeah. To some old, crusty dude that she doesn't love. She's in an unhappy marriage. Yeah. And Val just thinks that that's what's going to happen to her, but she decides she's going to marry her friend Cole because then she knows she's not going to get stuck with some old dude. Yeah. Then Cole comes, and we meet Cole and his friend Leonard, a.k.a. Lenny. Everything is great. I'm having a good time. I'm like, oh, Cole's here. Fantastic. That kind of sucks. She's got to go back. And then she decides she's not going to go back to New York with them or California or wherever they're going because she loves New Orleans. And then we find out that Cole and Lenny are together. And it was the greatest moment of my life because you didn't spoil it for me. Yeah, I was really nice and didn't spoil any of this book for Jess. Um, But so it was one of those weird things that happened because Drake was super angry that Cole was there so early and he was kind of rude to him. And then Val, like, let me talk to him. And she's, like, super open. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, listen, you said we would maybe go back to New York. I was hoping you would stay here in New Orleans with me. I don't want to go to California. Yeah. And so they have, like, a real talk about it, which is also refreshing. Because normally in, like, 1800s, we would have seen, pack up your things, you're going with me, which is very old school. Yeah. And um, we didn't see that at all. And so they break it off really amiably. And then Drake apologizes for being a dick and finds out he, too, and like likes Cole. Like, he's a solid dude. Yeah. And then when he finds out that he's bisexual or gay, I guess they say gay. Yeah. Because even though they were going to get married, it was more for her to be a beard. Yeah, she was going to be so, his beard. And then he's like, oh, well, that's not a big deal either. Everything about the Levesque family is like, anything goes as long as you're not a dumbass like so long as you're not trying to actively sabotage anybody Mm -hmm. yeah it's phenomenal they're so open and so happy about everything i love it i love it i thought it was fantastic um we had talked earlier about love versus service right what did you want to say about that because that was something that you were talking about yeah um so We have a lot of examples of different kinds of marriage throughout this book, and one of the ones that keeps being brought up is her mother and her father, Val's mother and father, Mm -hmm. and how they're married because that's what they should do. And that's more of a marriage of service versus a marriage of convenience, which would be, like, the cover-up thing, right? Yeah. Um, But, like, it's, (laughs) it's really funny because Sable talks about how her and her husband... Like, they fight sometimes, and then he makes it up to her. And they make all these, like, raunchy jokes, which is so funny because Val is, like, super innocent. Yeah. Doesn't know anything. So she's like, I don't know what they're talking about. Can you explain it to me? And Drake's like, no. (laughs) I'm not explaining that to you. And, um, And then you have, like, when she, like, just admits, like, my mom once told us that when she has sex with my dad, she, she recites the alphabet. And she never gets last the le- past the letter P. <laughs> By the and time P like, comes Whoa. around, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a weird... Okay, but like... It's one of those things where it's she's showing that she doesn't understand that passion and love are different. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't have examples of that in her life. Yeah. And so the Levesques are all about it. 
They don't do anything out of convenience, not really, which I think is why he was upset when she proposed to him. And he was like, but would you stay married to me? And she's like, I don't know. I don't have, we don't have to. And I think that's probably why he got upset because they don't do marriages of convenience. Well, because she also was still trying to figure out what love was. Yeah, she has no idea. She has no concept of what it means and no concept of what it feels like to be in love. But she's in love with him. And she can openly say it, which is also really interesting. um, Because that's not something that you would expect. So, because when... She realizes that Cole and her are going to break up, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote. She's going to have to send a message to her parents. Yes. And she sends it off to her dad, letting letting him know that... Honestly, I wouldn't have. I would have just, like, stayed there and never talked to them again. Well, then you run the risk of, like, what happens if Cole had talked to his father. Because her dad works with Cole's father. Yeah. And then what if he was like, oh, so I hear the broke like, up. just been like, we decided we're going to California. Like, it wouldn't have, you know what I mean? A cover. A little bit of deception is probably okay in this case. But that didn't happen. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, that would It would have been easier, but it wouldn't have fulfilled the prophecy. So. No, wouldn't have fulfilled so the prophecy. So we have to have it. Um, so, everything about that whole situation when they, when she proposes to him. Because yeah. she knows that her dad is going to come. And try to take her back. Yeah. And marry her off to some crusty old dude. Yeah. Which she's like, no, thank you. I don't want that. I mean, and who would, to be honest with you? Especially because then she finds out that they're being essentially sold off to pay her dad's gambling debt. Uh Uh-huh. Which is disturbing, considering he was technically born a slave. And his his parents and the mother's parents He sold Val to that gross reverend guy. For six thousand dollars, yeah, six hundred, six hundred dollars, yeah, that's and a lot of money. Mad, he's like, you said this would be an easy transaction that you just had to collect her, and I was Ugh. like, oh god, you're disgusting. And then he kept like talking about come back with me, it's the right way, this side of sin. You're and going I was like, to hell and all this stuff, and it's like you're literally purchasing someone to marry, like I don't, I don't think that goes with the I'm not a sinner ideology. It was gross. But it is a good example of, like, corrupted religious stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of. There's a lot of. So, it, yeah. I mean, and I like, too, that this book hinted a little bit at voodoo. Just but without bit. being like, this is voodoo or whatever. It was like, you can buy a spell. <laughs> it's like, oh, cool. I think, though, that was kind of the beginning because, like you said earlier, this is the beginning of New Orleans. This was at the start of it. And at that point, um, with the slaves being freed, they could now actively practice their And it was something, too, that, like, if you read other historical romances that take place during um, the 1800s or even 1700s, they do talk about, like, on plantations, they would often get in trouble for witchcraft. Yeah. And that's how voodoo kind of came around. And because what was actually happening was they were taking practices from their original countries. Yep. And applying them to what they knew about life in the United States. And then you have the mix of the Creoles as well. Because Creoles are are different. Yes. They're very different. I knew a couple. And um, not just different that way. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, there were some people who were Creole who were slaves. Mm-hmm. Some of them were free. Some of them were, they bought their own freedom and all that stuff. But they are also of, like, this different class, which is why they felt so special, because they had a lot of French blood. And 
that became an issue because French people weren't enslaved. But there were so many French people hooking up with slaves that they became this whole separate group. And so that's where you get, like, if you've ever read a book that has Creole English in it, oh, dear God, help you. It's French and English and Southern. If you you have ever known, if you have ever spoken with a Creole person, just nod your head. They're probably going to feed you, if I'm being very honest with you. All the Creole people that I knew back in Florida, they were like, could barely understand them. Nine times out of ten, they were inviting you to dinner. Yeah. And you always go, because it's some good shit. But just one of those, those things where within the colored society in the 1800s, you had this separation as well. Because Creole people were technically colored people. Yeah. That's where you get the term, like, this, I hate all the terminology, like mulattoes. Yep. Those are people of color. Yeah. But because they didn't want to identify as people of color because they weren't kept slaves, there was a whole other branch. And so then you have the the voodoo stuff from people who were slaves, and then you have people who are being re-educated in Christian religions, and so you have this, like, huge clash. Yeah. But you also have, like, this growth of more voodoo. And I think part of it, honestly, is just the swamps. I think that that has a lot to do with all the dark magic stuff. Swamps are scary. Because swamps are terrifying, and a lot of the time they're described as haunted. Yeah. Because people get lost and they die. They're fucking and scary. So I think that's, like, part of the, the voodoo thing. Well, you have the swamps and then the creatures that live in them. I'm I, sorry. I'm not ever going on a swamp tour. I've seen people do it on those boats, and while it looks super fun, if I fall... I will panic and then I'll probably just die faster. That gator will take you under. They don't care. And they work together, but it's they work together to tear pieces off of you. Yeah. It's so like when that old man gets taken from his house that we don't like. Yeah. What was his name? He's the one that shot the guy in the beginning. Ian Beecham? Something like that? No. Anyways, when they put him in the boat... And they're like, you could get a knife. There's a knife in the boat. there's drilled in the bottom of your boat, so you're going to fill up pretty quick with swamp water. And then he hears the the alligators coming after him, and then he gets dragged under and... He like, tips, because he tips the boat trying to find the knife. The gator roll? Oh, that's terrifying. The gator roll is horrifying to watch. It's I've interesting it. to watch in, like, an educational sense, but then imagining when people get killed by gators... Gators are fucking strong. Because they take you down and they roll you. And they lock their jaws and they just twist your shit. Remember that conversation we had a couple weeks ago no. about dinosaurs? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. No. 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 It's... If you were to rank, like, ways to die, that would be on the top of my, like, no list. Being drowned and torn up by gators. I mean, but, that's fair because that's terrifying. Swamps are... Swamps are horrifying. But, swamps like, are terrifying. Swamp justice... Oh, yeah. Like, that's 100% what that is. Because that was in retaliation for him shooting that guy. They showed up, and they were like, you're coming with us, you old asshole. And he's like, the description was great. 5'4", knobby knees, 140 (laughs) pounds. And they just, like, gagged him, covered his head, threw him in the wagon. We're like, bye. We're done. It's just one of the instances that we get to see of how people aren't quietly going. And yeah. I think that's a really, like, a really big misconception because I'm right now I'm teaching about the Holocaust mm-hmm. and we, I just did like fascism and parallels and stuff. And so this is all fresh in my head. But like one of the things that we're led to believe in public schools 
is that all of these people just didn't know better, so they did what they were told. And that's not true at all. And no. so when we talk about the uprising of white supremacists, by the way, some of the names in the supremacy groups in this book, I was like, ugh, I hate them. The Order of the Whatever, the White oh, Knights of the Whatever. They're all and awful. And flowers and, like, whatever. I'm going oh, to be God. looking those up. I tabbed that to see what all of them were, because I'm well, like, it's interesting what the fuck? because that's, that's accurate, too, because the KKK isn't actually where white supremacy stems from. No. The KKK is the largest branch of organized white supremacists in the South, and that's a very different distinction. Yep. So, like, here we have, like, Aryan Nation, which has been pretty inactive until recently, and they were a lot more active in the 90s. Yeah. When the KKK was trying to become prominent in Arizona. Ugh. Which didn't work out well for them because they all. did a bad job. Horrible. Um, but, so we see that instance, but then we see the instance... Where Captain Drake Levesque's supervising officer At the has Bureau. decided to be the biggest asshole and help the ragtag band of supremacists organize, and they're going to attack the Levesque house. Well, and not only that, it's just but there's, there's they're talking about how um, he has stated before to his brothers that he is going to kill this guy. He's like, I'm going to kill Merritt. He's they're like, like, how are you going to do it? Because they're like, we hate him too. Yeah. Because he's white. He's white. And he doesn't care about the plight of the he, colored people. He closes the bureau down. He does not give a shit. He's never at his desk. He doesn't process paperwork. Yeah. He just kind of shrugs. He's like, whatever. Close up three. I don't care. He's a white supremacist who's doing a bad job of hiding it. Yeah. So, and so when he joins up with this group. Well, before he joins just, up. They have a conversation about how there's a new guy with, you know, the new hooded guy that nobody really knows, and he he stays hidden really well. And so, um, as retaliation for this plantation guy going missing um, in the swamp, if you will, um, this organization comes to the Levesque home. Um, Hugh... Hugh and his guys get word. Hugh and his heroes. They're my favorite. Cat loved him a lot. He I was did. pretty great. Um, they get word that attack, an attack is on its way from this organization. Right. And so Drake gets everyone he can together to save his mother's house. And in doing so, they killed what was it, like 10 guys? I think it was. It was, like, it was Five. It was it was a couple guys. But so anyways, the point is that they were more organized than this ragtag band of supremacists was expecting. So even though Drake loses his house building, yeah, they um, burned it down. They were able to save the estate that they grew up in, and so that was really good. And when you bring bodies and you've had white people on your side in this time and place, mm-hmm. you're like, guess you showed up and tried to burn down my house, and it's yeah. like. Here's some dead people. And so that was, it, you know, proof and evidence. It helped in the end, too, because it was considered um, just. And they did have the group of white men who were able to defend Levesque and his family. Yeah. But part of that, you know, this whole at the beginning, they wants to kill Merritt or whatever. And then in the end, when they have that happen, they realize one of the guys who is dead is his formal, former boss yeah. from the Bureau. And I'm like, finally, this guy was a piece of shit. There were some really good examples. The other one was um, the stables that Drake and some other freedmen had built mm-hmm. on the promise that this guy would pay in full. And then he refused. And then he's like, I don't think your work was that good. And so Drake's like, oh, you don't? And then just destroys the sales. He crumbles everything that they had just worked hard on and was like, I already have the money you gave me, 
So if you're not giving me the rest, I'm just going to destroy everything. And he does. So not only does he destroy it, he, he like, intentionally, he talks about how he put a tool in his wagon because it would help. Because he knew it was going to happen. And he shows up, and the guy gives him the money. He counts it. He tells him he's short. And he's like, no, you told me you were going to pay us this. And he was like, your work wasn't good enough. So he's like, all right. He takes the money. He goes out. He completely levels it. We're talking, like, wood and brick. Just done. Are you mansplaining what I just said? In a... It was crazy, though. That whole scene, you have to admit. <laughs> Don't explain what I just described. But it was so good. It was. Um, it was very satisfying, especially because it was kind of early on in the book. Well, and then he gives him the money back, too. He's like, here, take your money. You don't have a building anymore. It was bad. It was... It was all bad. It was so terrible, but it was a but, great like, in scene. in the best way. Yes. Some good shit. Yeah. And then in the end, when they get married, and everything is perfect... And then her dad shows up. It was a good end. Normally, I don't like when the end happens and they get married and then they have a kid and everything is fantastic. But I feel like in this one, it worked. It worked really well. And then, so they get married and they're expecting her dad not to show up for another like two weeks. And then he just like was there in a couple days and I was like, damn. He was pissed. He was pissed. But like, she stands her ground. She says she's not going. She's married. And then Drake stands up and he's a bear of a man. He's freaking huge. And, uh... Well, he stood up because her dad was going to hit her. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't see their marriage as real. Nope. And was like, you're being sassy. You come with me or else. And he goes to hit her. And in the beginning, she had described times when her dad had had her whipped. Yeah. For things like climbing trees or asking to learn science. So we all know her dad's a pretty big dick. He's an asshole. But... Um, but then Drake is like, oh, no, you won't. That's my wife. Yep. And uh, so that was really, really and satisfying as well. No parts of this were dissatisfying No, to me. none of it. I didn't have any moments either where I was bored. Um, the sex was not, done, like, overdone with the virgin no. thing. Normally, with the virginity shit, it's like... It's it's too flowery. It's too descriptive where it doesn't need to be descriptive. Accurate. No. And in this one, she asked Sable, she's like, what do I need to know? And Sable's, like, really frank with her. And I love it. I love it so much. I loved, too, that this entire time Sable was talking about how he would get on, her husband would get on her, his knees and pray for forgiveness and beg for forgiveness. And, and she, apologize. And doesn't she doesn't know what that means. And then Drake does it. And she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, don't you want I my forgiveness? An apology, don't I? And it's like, oh no. And she's like, I'm sorry. What now? And it was great. Um, but she, you know, they do end up married. They do have their happily ever after. They have a baby. They do. Raymond Drake Levesque. Which I thought was interesting that they named him Raymond because I thought they would name him after the brother that died. Oh yeah. And instead they named their baby after his oldest brother? Well, no, because his oldest brother is named after their grandfather, or great-grandfather. As the name was carried on. Because Raymond was the original pirate. It just, it got very confusing. All I know is I loved it, and that's all that matters. Because his father's name was Dominic. Yeah. But but then we had, like, Archer, and whatever. But it was all well-rounded. Like, as a book, I know this is part of a series. Yep. Because there's another one coming out. But it was a story that felt complete. Yes. Without having to wonder about a lot of things. I feel like I could read the next one and not 
question what happened with the characters in the first one. Yeah. Oh, I'm just mentioned, I really liked when she went clothes shopping, but she doesn't know about clothes shopping, and then she, like, gives a lot of shit to Mrs. What's-Her-Face. Whatever her name is. Because we didn't like her. But then Miss Candy was like, I have to thank you, that was the best I've seen in a long time. <laughs> She's like, I'm the one that laughed, did you hear? And Val's like, yes, I did. It was so good. So, I think it's review time. Star time. Okay. One out of five. How many stars do you give? I'm going to give it a five. A solid five. Me too. Solid five. I was pleased. Um, The parts that I felt made me uncomfortable in reading were things that I'm uncomfortable knowing happened in the United States at any point. Yeah. So it wasn't like the writing of the author. It was the confrontation of the racism and our downfalls as a nation. The the accuracy so, of it, yeah. So that, I mean, but things that are accurate that you care about and want to change are always going to be more difficult mm-hmm. um, to read about, regardless of how they're intertwined in other stories. Yeah. So, I mean, I was fine with that. I really enjoyed um, the love story. I was a little concerned when it was, it was starting off as a little deceptive. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, but what if her husband is for real and there? And I honestly kept expecting him to die <gasps> because of the prophecy. Yeah. I thought she was going to suddenly receive word. That he had passed on the voyage. Or, or that her dad was going to show and be like, his dad, Cole's dad heard that he died on the voyage home. Oh. So I thought that's where this was heading. Okay. And that Drake was going to have to like save her or go get her. Like, you know, that kind Console of Console her, yeah. But, like, I like this much better. This was much easier. <laughs> I also gave it a five star. This is actually the first five star read I've read this year so far. Where well, yeah, it's our first one. Well, so. no. Like, out of everything I've read so far. But those don't count. No, they don't. Not for the <laughs> podcast. Not the podcast. But in life. Um, I enjoyed the historical accuracy. I enjoyed that it was a historical that didn't make me want to tear my hair out. Yeah. Um... I love, love, loved, loved Valinda as a character because she is so strong-willed. She was sassy. She wasn't going to let anything stop her. Mm -hmm. She was a pro at stopping conflict at every turn, and it was phenomenal, and I loved it. Um, So two five-stars. Our first five-star on the podcast for the year. Yay! So exciting. No, that's good. Are you ready for our next one? God, I hope so. <laughs> okay, so the next book that we're going to read is If the Boot Fits by Rebecca Weatherspoon. This is a Cowboys of California. I read the first one in the series last year. Listen, I just... Cowboys make me nervous. Cowboys make you nervous? Because it's either really well done or it's really, really hokey. This is a Cinderella retelling. Okay. Okay. Which makes sense because of the boot. But it's also yeah. a song. Yeah, did you know that? Granger Smith. I had no idea. Yeah. Interesting. It's a good song. Okay. But, um... I trust you. Cowboys in uh, tuxedos, from the look of the cover. Because this is um, following a character from the first book who is a celebrity. Oh, weird. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. The first book was really good. I struggle with celebrity... I know you do. It's gonna be good. Trust me. Okay. I do like cowboys, though. Like... IRL. Okay. I like Cowboys. So I could, if it's well written, I'm down with it. But if it's weird, I can't do it. It was good. And it's Rebecca Weatherspoon. This is our second one that we're going to read by her because she was supposed to be at the festival last year and then it got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. 
But now you'll have two books to talk about. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, so if you're interested and want to uh, watch, it is going to be a virtual event. <laughs> you're going to have to do your hair and makeup. I know. And that makes me, I'm sorry, that, not like it's having me, but it's just because we haven't done like hair and makeup for anything. <laughs> like I wear makeup to work and I'll like do my hair sometimes, but we haven't had to go anywhere in months. I am growing out a really <laughs> short haircut. My hair looks horrifying. I'm not excited about that part. Um, I'm terrified the cat's going to vomit while I'm on camera. It's just, it's going to be a time. But if you are interested in it, I am going to be moderating a panel with Rebecca Weatherspoon and Alicia Rye. Um, Kat was pretty jealous when I told her it was going to be Alicia Rye. Yeah, because Alicia Rye needs to just be my best friend. Yeah, that's accurate. That's true. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and end it here. Join us next week. Uh, next week. Next time. Uh-oh. Join us next time as we discuss If the Boot Fits by Rebecca Weatherspoon. Bye. Bye.